We're going to talk about the story of David and Abigail. I think there's some things that we can learn from this story, maybe some things that are not exactly the way you've thought about them. So let's set the, the picture. By this time, David's been out. He kills Goliath, becomes a local hero. He's in the king's palace. He's playing the harp for him. But Saul started to get, starts to get jealous and realizes this kid, I don't think he knows he's been anointed king, but he knows he, the presence, his presence around Saul makes him very, very jealous. First of all, the people start chanting, you know, Saul has killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. They're starting to put David above him, and he's, you know, just a youth. Well, let's go to 1 Samuel 25. David is running from Saul. He is out in the wilderness. He's been there. We don't actually know how long, maybe five years, maybe ten years. He's been there for a while. Every now and then, Saul comes out to try to find him. But in the meantime, he's had a number of betrayals. He goes to, he's from the tribe of Judah, Israel, very, very tribal at this point. Everyone knows their tribe. David is from the tribe of Judah. Saul is from the tribe of Benjamin. So he, David obviously is going to be hanging out in the wilderness of Judea. He's going to be staying where his people are, imagining that his people are not going to want to turn him in. Well, he would be imagining incorrectly because his people are all too willing to turn him in. They keep going to Saul and say, oh, he's hiding out by us just to curry favor with the king, just to try to you know, get some sort of reward perhaps. Now, Saul's been a very violent man. He's already killed all 85 or 81 priests he killed just because they helped David unknowingly, gave him some bread and Goliath's sword just because of that. Saul felt that was a betrayal. He killed all of the priests. So he's a very, very angry, violent man, very threatened. So David's been through a number of these betrayals. And then we have this scene where he's watching this man, Nabal's sheep. What we have to understand is this is a culture called uh, a culture of raiding, the raiders. Very commonly, someone with a little army or a big army will come through and raid your village and take all your stuff. Maybe they'll kill you, maybe they won't, but they're basically stealing. So David's been watching this man's sheep to make sure no raiders come to raid him. He does it for a season. Nabal's having a, a feast because it's, the, it's sheep shearing time. David sends his men to see if he can get a reward for having protected this man's sheep. The man is drunk at the party. Nabal is drunk. And Nabal says to David's servants when they ask him, Who is David? Who is, who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shearers and give it to men 
who come from I don't know where? Wow. I don't know if you can hear all of the barbs in this. Breaking away from your masters. So David's been running for his life for years. This man makes it sound like he should have stayed in the palace and taken his medicine. He, he, who's the son of Jesse? Who, this is, by the way, Nabal is a, is a Calebite. He's from the tribe of Judah. This, these are his people. The offense here, and then he's basically saying, we don't know your, your origin. We don't know where you've come from. You know, the people who have gathered around David, it says they were those who were in debt or distressed of soul, bitter of soul. They're basically, the people who owed people money and couldn't pay it, these are the people now surrounding David. So this man's insulting David and everyone else. David said to his man, when he gets word back, every man strap on your sword. Basically, I have been protecting this man. Now I'm going to become the raider. He's not just going to kill everyone there. He's going to kill everyone there and take the man's sheep. He was expecting a couple of sheep to celebrate. He only wanted a few sheep. This man's holding back. David is going to go get all of his sheep because he feels justified. He basically has had enough. He's been betrayed enough. Now this slap in the face by another from the tribe of Judah is just basically he's blown a fuse. It's, it's over. He's going to go make sure this, this never happens again. So they tell Abigail. Abigail is ma- married to Nabal. And the servants say, look, 10 men came. They've been protecting us the whole time. Our master, you know, nobody can reason with the guy. We know there's harm coming our way. These, they have 600 men, and our master just insulted them all being drunk. Uh, not, good things are not going to be happening. Bad things are coming our way. Abigail quickly prepares these things, um, some sheep, some figs, and she goes to try to meet David before he and the army get to the house. And David is saying now, verse 21 of 1 Samuel 25, listen to what he says. Now David had said, Surely in vain have I guarded all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed out of all that belonged to him, and he has returned me evil for good. God do so to the enemies of David, and more so if by morning I leave as much as one male of all who belong to him. So he has vengeance. He is, someone has offended him. And we're talking about self-control. We're talking about what we need to do to have self-control. David now has, he's been pushed over the limit. He's out of control. And he's about to do something that when we read the story, we're, we're Nabal just a bad guy. He's just a bad guy. Probably a very narcissistic man. Doesn't sound like, I mean, even his wife calls him a fool. He, he's, not, he's not a nice guy. Very, very wealthy. 
And a lot of those traits, bad behavior can come with wealth. You feel like you, you have enough. You have... So Abigail saw David. She hurried and got down. On me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. And as she speaks to him, she says, Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow Nabal, for as his name, Nabal means fool, so he is. I did not see the young men. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt. I want you to remember that phrase, has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving by your own hand. I want you to remember that phrase, saving by your own hand. This woman has done something to save him from blood guilt. What is blood guilt? It's killing people who are not guilty, killing innocent people. God did not call David to go destroy this man's family and servants. He did, that's not, this was not on God's agenda. This is on David's agenda. This is blood guilt. She goes on to say, for the Lord will, now she starts prophesying over him. Look at the character of this woman. I don't think there's another woman in scripture who gets this much dialogue. We have Esther and we have Ruth. But no one gets this kind of character dialogue that really shows how she is amazingly connected with God. She's prophesying, The Lord will surely make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord. She recognizes who he is and the battles that he's fighting. And evil shall not be found in you so long as you live. She prophesied over David what God saw about him, that evil would not be found in him as long as he lived. Now, most of us know the story and know that that ultimately, that prophecy did not come to pass. Evil was found in David. Significant evil. But that wasn't God's intention. And when God speaks prophecies over us, he's speaking to us as he sees us, the way our destiny is supposed to go. This woman was speaking the destiny of David, the way it was supposed to go, the way God intended it to go. She has tremendous insight. This is what God planned for David, that evil would never be found in him. If men rise up to pursue you to seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of a living and in the care of the Lord your God. Basically, David, they can't kill you. Don't you see that? You're invincible. Nobody can kill you. The lives of your enemies shall be slung out from the hollow of a sling. You know that David is an expert with the sling. Verse 31, my Lord, again, shall have no cause of grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause or for my Lord working salvation himself. There it is again. No blood guilt. Don't kill innocent people. And you do not need to work your own salvation. 
God is working your salvation. David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion, and blessed be you, who have kept me this day from blood guilt. He realizes what he was going to do. If you're going to be the king of Israel, it's not a good idea to have a massacre on your record of your own people. Not, not a good career path move. He sees what has just happened. Basically, a man has insulted him, and he was going to massacre everyone who belonged to him and steal his stuff. And that would now be on his record. It's going to be much more difficult for him to get in line to be king, who he's anointed to be, but he's about to make it much more difficult. He kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. Wow. Unless the Lord has restrained me, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, truly by morning there would not be left to Nabal so much as one male. He was that angry. He was able to be turned from his anger by humility. Most of the time when someone is angry with you, and people learn this in their customer service jobs, they want to be understood. They just want someone to understand it. The woman understood. He said, look, the man is a fool, but this is the path. You're, this is who you really are. And as we listen to the people, even if we would say, I, can't, I don't know why they're so upset. They're, you know, they've got no real argument here. There's, there's... Listen to them. You can listen to them. You can validate. You don't have to agree with every point, but to listen to someone who's upset oftentimes can quench that anger, that desire. They have to fight. David was fighting actually for his life here because his ego had become so small. His self-esteem was so low. That's what most anger is. It's just, it's just trying to get your ego, your self-esteem back. I know I'm not supposed to be treated that way, so I will fight it. If we know who we are, we don't have to work salvation by our own hand. Are you working salvation by your own hand? Situation comes up. Oh, you're on the phone. Oh, I'll take care of this. I know somebody. I know, I, yeah, I know, I know someone who, who, who can help me here. Always oh, working an angle. And then that doesn't work. I know, I know someone else, or I know their boss. I, how are you with working salvation by your own hand? Or with relationships? A lot of singles. Uh, I'll get someone to pay attention to me. I'll dress a certain way. I'll spend money a certain way. I'll, I'll buy things. I'll make sure this relationship works. Are you working salvation for your job, for your relationship, by your own hand? I just want to pause. I want to pause right there. That's a, a working salvation by your own hand and dealing with people who are angry, or maybe when you're angry, you can think, what do I need to hear? What verse do I need to say when I'm angry that would start to reorient me who I am 
and the direction my life is supposed to be going, and is it possible this is just a bit of a detour as it turned out to be for David? Let me just give you a minute of silence. I want you to think about that and think about how God might be speaking to you, that you are working salvation by your own hand, and he wants you to trust him more in this area.